25 inches of beauty. Alright, welcome back to another edition of Hammer the Over, first episode of 2018. It is Wednesday, January 3rd, in the year of our Lord, 2018. I'm Fred West, with me as always, Evan Drone, Tom Mellon. How are we doing in the new year, boys? It's cold as shit. It is Very cold. cold. Very cold. I had to uh, scrape the inside of my car on Tuesday. Spent a good 10 minutes just scraping the inside. Yeah, when you're scraping the inside, that's when you know. You know you're in trouble. Stay home. Papa Flip thinks this keeps all the bad people away from the Twin Cities. I mean, I don't hate that take. This is definitely not our shining moment. I say that. Genuine question here that I'm thinking about. What uh, what do the homeless do? They, well, oh, on nights like the other night where it was like 20, 25 below, 20 below. I'd commit a quick crime. They, they, um, they'll die if they stay outside. So they have to go to shelters. Yeah. I mean, if, I'm not if, kidding. No, I know. If they can't set up and yeah, the yeah, churches, churches, if they okay. normally... There are places for them to go. If, um, if it, if it like, came down to it, I'd just go rob like a gas station quick. Just get myself arrested and go to jail. Yeah, you just get Sick. that adrenaline rush. That's warm right up. Yep. Um... Yeah, we're back into the new year, and uh, with the new year comes some Vikings playoff action. Uh, we're we're going to talk a lot of football here later on with an interview with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, so we don't want to beat the drum too hard. Uh, but we're going to give Tom the floor here if you got like just any big Vikings thoughts. My quick two minutes. Two minutes of Tom. Uh, if you had told me before the season we would end up 13-3, I would have told you you were crazy, especially. I, I would have put all my money if you told me that Dalvin Cook and Sam Bradford also would, and Teddy Bridgewell wouldn't play a game. I also would have said you were insane, and I would put all my money against it. Um, this has been probably the most satisfying Viking season um, of my life. Um, yeah. It's been amazing to watch the defense play as good as it has and as well as the offense has played. Um, I love that we're kind of underdogs. Um, everything's set up for us to do, like have the ultimate redemption story. I'm, I'm ready to get my heart broken, but I'm just saying setting up that way. Hosting the divisional round, probably so against the Rams. Uh, probably against the Rams, which, you know, it's hard to beat teams twice, but I still like our well, odds. the thing is if we don't play the Rams, we're probably playing uh, the Saints. Saints. I'd so much rather play We're going to play the Saints eventually. Yeah. Get ready exactly. for that. That's we're not going to Philly for the NFC Championship. I, They're going to lose. Philly might be the team I'd want to play the most out of the NFC right now. Yeah, probably. I mean, between uh, New Orleans, L.A., Atlanta, and Carolina, I the, might take Philly. The Vikings have, their, have some flaws, as in they're not as highly rated as some of these other teams. But they don't have big ones. If you're, if you're an NFL team right now, we are scary. We play really good defense. We have the ability to possibly play every playoff game we play in our own freaking building. Right. Mm-hmm. And the offense has ticked, just hummed along. They, right. They've hummed along all year. They're a little bit shaky in the last couple games. I think Shermer's just holding stuff back. Yeah, but three boring games, the last three games, because they won. haven't even been close. I don't care if we win 3-0 if we win. No, that's what I'm saying. That's I want I mean. to that's win. How, that's, how, that's how good the defense and, just the, and the offense has been so consistent in general that it's just been no-brainers since the beginning of the first quarter for the last three weeks, which I'm, is awesome. I'll end this by saying... Awesome season. I'm stoked for the playoffs. I'm very confident. I'm also incredibly nervous because I'm just I care way too much about them. I'm like getting I got nervous today just yeah. thinking about it. I'm sitting next to a huge Vikings fan that works for me and he's just driving me crazy with like he's like Tom, what if we don't win? It's like stop! Don't do this to me. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I, I thought about I literally was thinking about just like the Sunday of the divisional rounds, just like getting up, and I got like a little butterfly. Well, man, games at what four thirty, so you gotta wait all day long. Oh, oh, we're the last, we're the last division round game. Yeah, brutal. I'm gonna have to pace myself that day. So, um, but that's it. That's all I got. I feel great. Yeah, it's crazy, and we're like I said, we're gonna talk way more about this with uh, Eric. But just the Vikings, as far as Pro Football Focus is concerned, are the most statistically likely to come out of the NFC, which is just crazy to think about, honestly. Yeah. Um, NBA stuff, Isaiah Thomas is back, and he's on the Cavs, but he's not playing um, Celtics. Yeah, kind of goofy. Well, they're playing back-to-backs. This is their second of back-to-backs. So Isaiah played last night. He he did pretty well, too. Yeah, speaking of backs, 17 points in, I think, like 19 minutes. So he did his thing scoring the ball. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of... Kind of weird. I, I think they'd wait an extra game and did have you play see, against Boston. Did you see know. that Skip Bayless tweet? It's no, it's, it's so peak Skip, Skip Bayless. It's it's incredible. Skip Bayless has gone off the rails. Since it's incredible. Cox. It's uh it's officially Isaiah's team. The Cavs are officially Isaiah's night? team. Yeah. After All right. Night. You know what? I can't handle that guy. He just he's scraping. He's trash. Oh, he's trash. I mean, that one is too bad. That's he's, like when he's Indian slum trash. <laughs> it's it's so incredible to me that he like, the things he's 
Honestly, one of my favorite hobbies is just reading through Skip's mentions. I, don't, I can't yeah. do it, dude. Like it's at so this point, funny. Those aren't even controversial anymore because you're just like, oh, this is just Skip doing his just thing. Yeah. He doesn't really think that, you know? No, 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 no way he thinks that. He just that. wants likes. He probably signed like a $10 million deal when he got there, so don't feel too bad for him. How tall is he? He just, I was going to say, he gives me the impression of like a 4'3 guy. Yeah. Uh, we, I remember reading uh, an article with. Uh, Mark actually a couple of years ago where it mentioned that Skip Bayless has only missed two workouts since like 1997. <laughs> that's just a lie. No one believes that. I don't know. That's what it said. Um, uh, speaking of NBA Wolves stuff, Wolves are looking pretty good. Um, yeah. How are we feeling? Uh, pretty good, but we want to think eight of the last ten. That might be wrong, but it's close it's, to right. It's ten and, of the last thirteen. Okay, that works too. Um, I don't know. I think the big difference here, obviously, that's a, a great, you know, ten and three record in the last thirteen games. But it feels good now. It, they uh-huh. seem to be winning in convincing manners. They're not they as frustrating like to watch. Well, they're gelling. They're actually looking pretty good on defense. Yeah, I mean, long story short, it feels better. I watched my first uh, probably ever regular season NBA basketball game start to finish uh, the other week. Uh, it was the Bucks. Wolves oh, game. the Bucks Wolves. Yeah, that, that was a bad one to watch. They blew. Yeah, them. but it was pretty fun. I mean, Giannis is fun to watch too. Yeah, they're, it's a fun matchup. They're, they're playing real well. They're not as frustrating to watch. Defense has definitely improved. Individuals' defense has definitely improved. Cats' defense has definitely like gotten a lot better. He seems to be getting it. He seems to be in the right place at the right times. He's blocking people's shots. He's staying on his guy when he needs to. Tyus Jones is a future Hall of Famer. Nah, you don't, don't start with that. Wiggins, well, no, Wiggins broke okay. out of his slump a little bit. He's starting to play a lot better, and he's playing better on defense. You know, even during the slump, I think the slump actually is the best thing ever happened to him. Yeah. Because he realized, hey, if I can't score, then I got to do other stuff to be important. Could you imagine if uh, Case Keenum and Tyus Jones both led teams to to titles this year? Wouldn't that be something? I just, I don't know. <laughs> It's kind of like after that, you just kind of have you have one last time with your old lady, and then you just kill yourself. <laughs> it's never, you know, it's, it's never like, getting better. Go than out that. on top. You know? <laughs> it's never it's getting, getting better. better than this. Yeah, um, Harden, James Harden's going to be out for two weeks. Yep, that hurts the Rockets. I mean, they're still loaded. They still have Chris Paul. So They've lost a lot of games okay. recently, haven't they? I don't know. Have they? Thought they had. We're the sports, sports podcast. podcast. Yeah, that's us. So, <laughs> um, but Jimmy. Written down on our little little log here, Jimmy MVP with like four question marks. Yeah. Is that a legitimate discussion that needs to be had? Well, I mean, I don't think statistics are going to point that way, but if you're actually thinking about a, a guy's value to a team, I just I don't see how he'd be even like 500 without Jimmy right now. And I guess you got to think, well, we wouldn't have Zach Levine either because he'd be hurt still, but. Jimmy, you have Chris Dunn. We would have Chris Dunn. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, so, Chris Dunn's playing pretty well. But yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't be starting with that. Okay. Jimmy, there, I, I, there's not five better players right now that are more important to their teams than Jimmy Butler. He's absolutely yeah. should be in the MVP conversation. And, and by the way, the Rockets lost five in a row before they won two in a row. Yeah. Oh, okay. So five and seven. And they're five. They've lost five. So the last my seven thing with the MVP, and we don't have to get hung up on this, but. Um, MVP is I think such a subjective It thing. is. It really is. And it gets so... I, I, it's I, the I, best player on the best team. That's usually how it is doled out. Well, Russell Westbrook was the best player on like an eight seed last year. I know. Like, that's, that's usually not what happens. That's not, but, but his no, stat line was so ridiculous last year they had to give it to him. Okay, this is what it is. LeBron James is the MVP every single year. Correct. Until he shows regression. Because Correct. no matter what, you put LeBron on any NBA team, and that team is so much better than if you put any other player on that Well, team. then LeBron's the MVP every year. Yeah. Exactly. He would be, he but to be. they're not I doing mean, it anymore. That's so, my take on the MVP. So, yeah, but, like, that's – I mean, in order – the thing is, in order for people like LeBron or in, like, in the NBA or, like, Sidney Crosby in the NHL or something to win the MVP, they need to do something even better than their normal, like, yeah. like great production. You know what I mean? Like – it's not good enough for LeBron James to be just the best player in the NBA to win the MVP anymore. Like right. He has to be better than what he usually is. Yeah, but I just think of it as who is the most valuable player in the league? Like who can LeBron. add the most valuable, add, add the most value to a team, and it's LeBron. LeBron. Well, how can you argue that? Yes, Kevin Durant's a lot closer now than he's ever been. Bobby Portis. Ooh, Bobby oh, Portis. Is Bobby after Portis. the punch. Yeah. He and Miritich. Yeah. They're like best he friends. He and Miritich are clicking. Yeah. yeah, you're onto something with that. Um, and then. Uh, Enough of NBA talk. I'm sick of it. Uh, college football playoffs this past weekend. First round semifinals. Georgia beats Oklahoma in 
an instant classic. Instant classic. Oh, yeah, I, I wrote this down. I said I, that was po- – I'm not saying this is one of the best games of all time. It might have been. But I thought that was possibly the, the a top five of my most entertaining football games ever to watch. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was wild. Um, I mean, you had Baker Mayfield slugging it out. I mean, anytime, honestly, Baker Mayfield is in, like, a primetime spotlight situation, I feel like – he delivers an awesome performance. For me, it's not just the points that were scored and how much fun that was to watch. It's how the points yeah. were scored. Like the Chubb run where Chubb he breaks just like running four people tackles. Over. Baker Mayfield blowing past three guys trying to sack him, just launching it downfield. I mean, it was a blast. It was a blast. So watching that, and I don't want to get too hung up on this, but like obviously we're getting to that point, and I feel like it's a pretty, pretty fair comparison. So I've heard two comparisons with Baker Mayfield. Um, coming out like as far as like a draft prospect goes one is very positive and it was that Baker Mayfield is similar to like Deshaun Watson where eventually you have to be like who has played the best in college like you can tell me everything you want about Darnold and Rosen and how they're yeah. pro style quarterbacks and they throw the ball like per- like with big arms versus like Baker Mayfield who just keeps producing and then on the other side of it you have someone like Johnny Manziel who was Running all over the place, throwing bombs, I think it's winning very- football games, and uh, obviously, well, he's actually cleared to play in Canada. Now, so I think it's very funny that you mentioned that too, because actually, I was sitting down with Dave. Uh, Dave's my roommate, Dave Stranger. For those of you who don't know who Dave, my roommate is, um, and I, I mentioned him, and he agreed. I think it's very funny how you can tell like very good players in college who won't be good in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, Hurts, yes. Hurts, very good in the college level. Like one of the best college quarterbacks in the game right now. So you, Instantly, you can tell him he won't be good in the NFL. Right, so but he do, won't you, be a good do NFL you think that Baker Mayfield will not be a good NFL quarterback? I think Baker Mayfield will be an, a good NFL quarterback because I think he's driven to fix the things that he's not good at right now. And I think he's smart enough to realize like the stuff he can and can't do at the NFL level. Yeah. I, I mean, Johnny I, wasn't. Johnny was a stupid idiot. Well, yeah. And I, obviously, Johnny was he just not a, not a great dude. Johnny loves to do the dranks and... Yeah, uh, a little bit more of that, I think. And then the uh, other semifinal, Alabama beat the uh, breaks off of Clemson, which I uh, actually kind of thought was going to happen. Yeah, it just it felt like it. Like Alabama, yeah, they just, yeah, we do belong. Nick Saban just pisses all over yeah, exactly. Um So now we've got two SEC teams in the championship game next Monday. Um, what are your thoughts on that in general? Just that we just basically see an SEC championship game again. Kind of sucks. I don't know. I mean, you this, sick of it, Doug? Well, I don't know. I, I guess it comes back to the whole debate with having a non-conference championship, or excuse me, non-conference champion, and then it brings up the whole debate: is four teams too few? Do we need an eighteen playoff? I've said it all goes along. down. Yeah, it goes down a, a deep hole. That was Danny Cannell on part of my take today. It said he thinks it should be an eighteen playoff with five uh, the, the the power five conference champions. You just win your conference championship, yeah. you're in, and then three like wild cards essentially. I wouldn't hate that. Which I think makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't hate that. I think that's actually that actually makes a ton of sense. I want to give a quick plug to the Big Ten. I mean, Big Ten showed out in yeah, these bowl games, man, especially the big ones. Except for Michigan, they choked. And yeah, they Michigan blew that. Or whatever, but but I, we we give some love to the Big Ten. They played well, um, so. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, Michigan blowing it brings up a question that I've heard quite a bit is, is Harbaugh overrated? Ooh, I've heard this talked about a lot yeah. this week, and I actually agree. I think well, he is. What's his record so. against Ohio State? I don't think he's beat Ohio State. He hasn't State. beat Ohio State yet. No. He keeps convincing people, that he, and he's gotten paid unbelievable. Well, and and the thing that uh, um, actually surprised me is that they haven't, or they've lost at least three games every year. He's going to the Bears, you know. You think so? I think so. A lot of people think the Bears are going to give him, like, so much money. The Bears would give him, like, way too much money. And people also think that the um, that he knows that, like, he wasn't as good of – he wasn't – he's not as good of a college coach as he is an NFL coach. People think he knows that. He's that, aware of that. That could be. But he's – like, the thing that I always thought and that everyone always said about him was, like, that he was some sort of uh, savant in recruiting kids. Was what was gonna get him? Is that he has like the in with like the eighteen? Then how come he can't beat Ohio State? No idea. Urban Meyer. Um, speaking of coaches, forgot to mention this in the uh, NFL part, but the fact that Marvin Lewis is back as the Bengals head coach is just mind-boggling. <laughs> Do you think that? So I, I thought about this a lot this week, and I think that that's because they, like the head coach. I mean, sorry, the owner doesn't want to like have like a couple, two or three win seasons. He's more comfortable being like, hey, we're gonna be decent every year. We'll like, play. maybe we'll, like, maybe put together we'll a playoff. playoff run. Did you see Marvin Lewis lost six wild card games in a row? He How do you lose in the wild card game six times in a row? 15 years, no playoff wins. Not one. Not one. That's pretty messed well, what up. What do you guys think about the – it was right before the Vikes game – 
three weeks ago when they said Marvin Lewis yeah. was out. Yeah. And they get blown out by the Vikes. I mean, obviously it's the Vikes. But then all the speculation kind of turns into, no, he might be sticking around. This isn't real, blah, blah, blah. And then the no, Bengals go and win two games in a row. And then he gets extended. No, they fired up. Maybe the players want Marvin Lewis around. I think that's pure and simple. And this, this is this no. an aggressive take. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Journalism in this country is at an all-time low in credibility and... <laughs> and like DC. Speaking of, of journalists, if you're here listening to me right now, you all suck. You're none of you are honest. None of you. And I, that's only probably one of the only things I agree straight up with Donnie with is that well, we got a fake news media in this country. Are you we're all how, a bunch of liars? How, how pumped are you for Donnie's fake news media award? I can't ceremony? believe that. I can't that, believe that's insane. That. We're living in a well. He is insane. We're living in we're he's living a in a person. sitcom. He's a crazy person. Living in a damn sitcom. Uh, last. Uh, just quick point before we get to the Eric Eager interview. Uh, Central Florida beat Auburn fairly convincingly and went undefeated. So and no ch- claiming the national championship. Which is ridiculous. And you can't just claim national championships. <laughs> well, okay, apparently this was a thing back in the day. Like teams did this frequently. And they're even paying their staff like their bonuses had they won the national championship. I actually like that because that I mean, awesome. as far as UCF goes, they they were never going to play in the in the playoffs. Yeah. And so like this is essentially as good as them winning a net. They beat Auburn, who beat Alabama. Right. And were, went undefeated. To to the point of uh, I don't know who said made that thing earlier. The eight team playoff. Sorry, that was really mm-hmm. yeah. And then you get them in there. Thank you, Doug. They would be in there. Right. And then they'd have a fighter's chance. Yeah, that'd be awesome. they maybe win it all. And then we get to talk about, oh, my God, this AT playoff is the greatest thing ever because... Because mm-hmm. Central Florida won the national championship. We would have seen Utah a couple of years ago. We would have seen Central Florida. We would have seen Central... I think that's a really good idea. That would have been great. Um, all right, now we're going to send it on over to our interview with Dr. Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. I'd like to welcome onto the podcast Dr. Eric Eager, professor of mathematics at University of Wisconsin La Crosse and contributor for Pro Football Focus. Eric, thanks for coming on. Hey guys, how are you guys doing? Not bad. Actually, a bunch of pretty happy people here. We've got the week off of our fandom. We get to relax and watch some football until the uh, the real season starts next week. Riding high. Uh, yeah, for those of you who uh, maybe aren't. Uh, Full-on listener to the podcast, haven't listened to every episode. We had Eric on at the uh, beginning of the year just to do uh, just an NFL preview. Do you remember all your picks? Uh, I do remember saying Carolina would win the NFC South, and I was a tiebreaker short. Um, but I, I, I also think that I was wrong on a few. I think I had Oakland beating my Kansas City Chiefs out for the AFC West, mm-hmm. which didn't end up true. Um, Green Bay winning the NFC North, which is, uh, you know, for all of us, uh, you know, not a bad thing to be wrong about. No, that was a good one. We were all wrong. But, yeah, it's, you know, when five of the six NFC teams aren't, weren't in the playoffs this season ago, you're going to be wrong on a few of them. Yeah, we've actually got them uh, listed up here. Have you want to yeah. run through them? Well, actually, so we all took Pittsburgh in the AFC North. Um, we all took Tennessee in the AFC South. Nailed that uh, one. Eric, you and I, this is Evan, you and I both took Oakland in the AFC West, and Fred went with the Chargers, so we all struck out there. Uh, all took the obvious New England Patriots in the AFC East. Uh, as you said, NFC North, we all took the Packers. Or, fortunately, that was wrong. NFC South, you picked Carolina, you almost had it. Fred took Atlanta, obviously those are playoff teams. I went with Tampa, which ended up being a burnout, but um, we can live with that. But did you do that because of hard knocks? Were you yeah, no. If right you in the middle of hard knocks. Listen to the podcast. I said I had hard knocks fever, <laughs> so I rolled with Jameis. Um, but yeah, he ate a couple losses this year. And then the NFC West, we all took Seattle, which obviously I think was a bit of a surprise to see the Rams come out of there. And then Fred. Took the tiebreaker and picks Philly in the NFC East, and you and I both picked Dallas. So, Fred, congratulations. I'm the winner. What do I get? I'm winner. I get a raise for Model 284, I yeah. think. Uh, <laughs> of those uh, conference winners or, or guys you didn't see in the playoffs, what, what was the most surprising to you, do you think? I think the Rams have to be, right? I think Jared Goff was, right. uh, as a rookie, looked you know, pretty poor. And then... Like on the throws that he actually was, he wasn't doing a lot of NFL type throws, and then on the ones he was, he just looked really poor. So I think um, you know a lot of a lot of credit should go to to Mc, 
Bay, even sort of retroactively back to how well he did in Washington with uh, Kirk Cousins. So that was probably the most surprising thing. I think we all saw a little bit of like the Seahawks regression, but I but I think our you know to me I said you know the Arizona Cardinals might be a team uh, that could compete. And in fact, they did finish eight and eight, I guess, but. Um, none of us, I, I, I think, saw you know the team that was going to overtake Seattle was going to be the Rams. Right. Do you do you give more credit to Sean McVay or to Jeff Fisher for Goss progression this year? Well, you know Jeff Fisher would like you to think that he's got three teams in the playoffs right now with uh, Nick Foles and uh, <laughs> Case Keenum and which is preposterous. Uh, <laughs> no, I I, I, mean, I side with Jeff. I think it's a big credit to right? I think it's an indictment on the guy when you have, you know, some of the, so clearly some good talent on that team and Aaron Donald and like uh, Mark Barron and um, Tremaine Johnson. That defense is pretty good and they've always played okay under Fisher and then offensively, you take a guy like Todd Gurley who had a really awful season in 2016 and he looks like, I mean, he probably won everybody's fantasy leagues this year, so. Yeah. For sure. Um, before we're going to get into some uh, of the playoff matchups here for the wild card and moving forward, but before that, Tom, you want to air some grievances with Pro Football Focus yeah. and the rating system? So, so Eric, I'll just give you some background. Um, so, uh, when I started following PFF probably like three, four years ago, um, I thought of it as like the only legitimate way to actually view a player's rating over the course of a season. Because I know you guys watch every single play. You rate them an aggregate score, and you rate every single play. That's my understanding of it. Um, and I just took a look at some guys. Of course, I'm a homer. I'm a Vikings fan. I'm a huge rube. I, I'll admit that um, first and foremost. But like, I took a look at some of the scores um, of, of players that I think have had a good season. Um, most notably, like Riley Reef, um, Mike Remmers. And actually, I think Mike Remmers have a bad season for reference point. Um, Pat Elfline and Xavier Rhodes. Um, what? Kendricks, too. Yeah, and Eric Kendricks, um, who I think has had a, a solid season. I wanted to ask, how could someone – I consider myself an intelligent NFL fan. You know, I've I, I played football all my life. I know what I'm looking for. Um, I watch a ton of football. And I think, like, you know, watching Khalil two years ago and watching Reef this year, you're like, wow, he's really, like, a solid player. I'm not saying he's, like, blowing things out of the water. Um, but he hasn't let up a lot of pressures or sacks. And then I look and I see that he's rated as a 63rd tackle and rated as poor. So how, how can how can there be such a disparity sometimes? I'd love to hear like how the rating system works from you and then how I could come out thinking someone has had a good season and you guys are saying the exact opposite. Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things, so Eric Hendricks one was one that I had to double take myself because I don't grade the games. I just do the data science. Eric Hendricks is fifth in the NFL among linebackers and missed tackles. So, you know, like, and I not all missed tackles are created equally, but, like, he'll get a negative grade on a play like that. So, um, you know, and, you know, 17 missed tackles. He's made, you know, he made a few turnover plays. And, you know, like, so that kind of, that offset there. Xavier Rose, I'm going to answer the easier ones first. But, like, yeah. Xavier Rose had... Um, he had the ninth most penalties among corners. So the way that we view a penalty, you know, we generally will give a minus one to a penalty, um, and you know, on our scale from negative two to, to two, a minus one is like the equivalent of being beaten twice on you know a play, you know, in coverage. Uh, wow. Regularly. So, and and you can think about that in terms of like that's kind of harsh, but then it, you know. If you watch some games and you see, like, okay, it's third and 13, and Trey Wayne gets called for illegal contact, and the, the drive restarts. You know what I'm saying? So I do think it's harsh, but from a value perspective, I think it's probably on par with what we should be giving out. So Do you guys put weight on the situation? Uh, we do, so that's part of the data science. So we try to have our graders, because as you guys probably know, you know, there's a huge gap between, you know, football people and math people, and if you can kind of, like, try to stay in your wheelhouse. So, like, for example, for me, like, I think I understand football pretty well, too, but I always default to asking the football people football questions. Um, I think the same thing's true with, like, and that's why if you look at, like, NFLPickWatch.com, like, a lot of our, like, top analysts are, are just kind of middle of the pack at picking games. 
it's just like it, it's just difficult to you know it's difficult to weigh things properly with just your head you know what I'm saying sure. so generally speaking we'll give out that grade one of the another classic example is like a drop pass so I went through and looked at like what the expected value expected points added on all on all wide receiver grades were and when we gave out a negative point five to a wide receiver that was as bad for the offense as when a wide receiver got a negative one. Well, a negative one is a drop pass. A negative point five is running a bad route or, you know, not fighting for a contested catch the best, et cetera, et cetera, right? But it, it, from a value perspective, those are both incompletion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's kind of just, you know, so we go back and we're, we're going through the project and sort of weighing those things better. Now to answer the, so, and Xavier Rosen, 86 is a good grade, right? And he's a cornerback that, you know, this season he had, he had his hands, he had nine pass defenses, which was, you know, middle of the pack, I guess. He, this season he only had two interceptions. So, you know, he, he was fantastic, right? And we do give like a small positive grade every time you're in coverage, you do not target it. But it still doesn't make up for like Darius Flake, it's 18, you know, eight interceptions and 13 pass breakups, right? Like, He's just going to get graded on more plays, and yeah. so that's kind of how how that works. Yeah. Um, with Reed, um, and this is something that was not intuitive to me, but um, and and you get into this kind of silo when you watch like one team, you know, very closely, and everybody else not so much. But the the statistical benefit of going from a the worst left tackle in the NFL to an average left tackle is higher than going from the average left tackle to Tyron Smith. Okay. I guess that you see what I'm saying? Yes, so, yeah, I so totally when understand. We watch, when we watch T.J. Clemmings for an entire season, and then when you put in, a, and 64 is like out of tackle, you know, 32 divided by 2, he's a starter, right? So like, you're saying I've got blinders because I watched T.J. Clemmings for a whole season, and now I think, oh, my God, this guy is actually, like, decent, and he must be God. He must be Jesus. Right, you have you have... Tackle beer goggles. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. That's, that, I, 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 I believe that. That does make sense to me. And and like and statistically, like if you look like so, we did wins above. We were down with wins above replacement and everything, and so we, um, you know, did that for uh, for all players, and it, it did bear out. Like T.J. Clemmings was a solid one win below replacement, whereas guys like Tyron Smith were like a third of a win above, and maybe more like a half a win above replacement. So like, going you're, you're saying TJ went, let Cummings essentially lost us a whole game by himself. <laughs> that's incredible. No, yeah, no, I, no, yeah. But that's that's substantial. That's extremely substantial. I believe that 100. percent Right. So and that's so like going from him to Riley Reed is such an uptick to the offense that you know we sort of view uh, Reed that way now. Looking at so Riley Reed was 33rd among tackles in pass blocking efficiency. He gave up three sacks, um, nine hits, and 29 hurries. So that's you know that's you know not terrible. We do chart these things called um, uh, blocks beaten, and that was actually why you know TJ Clemmings actually had decent pressure numbers last year, but it was because Sam Bradford got rid of the ball so quickly. So like we'll chart when a guy is completely beaten, but the ball is out too quick. And I think probably there's where Reef might uh, might have gotten down a little bit. I would just say, you know, he's an average tackle, and an average tackle is extremely valuable in the NFL. Sure. That makes sense to me. Okay, that's uh, I think we're going to start getting into some other stuff. Actually, we wanted to do one more quick thing before we got into the, the playoff games, and this might be more important in terms of who actually wins. But uh, if you had to cage match the, uh, the current coaches in the playoffs right now, who's coming out alive? Yeah, cage match to the death. We got Zimmer, Belichick, Reed, Rivera, Peyton, Quinn, McVay, and we're going to throw Tom Coughlin in there for the, the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> right, because who's their coach that Moreau and he's not getting out of No, no. Um, neither is Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn would kick a field goal, or Dan Quinn would have them all dead, except for like, you know, 125th of the last coach, and he'd come back and beat them. No. Um, yeah, like, like Belichick would have Rivera and Quinn fight each other to the death, like, in front of them. Like, he'd just be like, no, you guys got to fight now, and then they'd, they'd kill each other. I think Zimmer's scrappy. 
Zimmer's probably uh, played real dirty in there. <laughs> Zimmer, Zimmer's going for like Achilles and heels. Oh plus, yeah. Plus he doesn't need his eyes. He's already. He's like Arya. He's like Arya. Yeah, Zimmer would start the fight off by stabbing his own eye <laughs> and just go fully blind and just say, I, "This is what this is what it is." I think I think Ron Rivera is a terrifying guy. He I think he's. He won his Super Bowl with the Bears. He's a massive <laughs> human being. I know. He's Are you terrifying. guys? You guys really gonna go against Andy Reid? Well, I, how much does he weigh now? After just the tip him over. After the holidays, he's 350. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it, 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 as much of a fighter as you are, if you weigh 350 pounds, it's going to take a lot to take you down, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Reed, uh, we all were saved about, what, 10, 15 years ago at Terrell Owens when he told Terrell Owens if he scored 15 touchdowns, he wore tights to a game. <laughs> and Owens, like, broke, Owens broke his ankle and, like, the... At 14 touchdowns, oh, apparently at all. I didn't know that. Happy. That's a good one. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was back when, like, the Eagles, like, pretended to be funky. Owen, Owens and, Man- and, uh, and uh, McNabb pretended to get along for a season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's coming down to, to Zimmer, Reed, Rivera, and Belichick. I don't even know if Belichick's, like, exercised in the last 40 years, but I still wouldn't bet against him. I think Belichick would some, somehow find his way out of the ring yeah. and then just be the last man alive. Yeah, he just <laughs> somehow he'd, he'd get like, you know? He'll he find a way to cheat and, and win. Yeah, exactly. Is Belichick a Sith Lord? <laughs> yeah, he's, he he's, he's as close to a Sith Lord as, as we've got. Um, all right, let's uh, let's just go through the um, the the wild card matchups here and uh, talk briefly about them and, and just who we got coming out on top. So we'll start with Jacksonville and Buffalo. Buffalo first playoffs in what like 13 years? Is that right? Yeah, 17 years. 17 years, and then Jacksonville obviously hasn't been in the playoffs since I think Mark Brunel. Yeah, so Eric, if if LaShawn McCoy doesn't play, which he sounds like he might play, but even if he does, I'm sure he wouldn't be at 100%. Are you going over or under 12 and a half points for the Bills? Oh man, so the and I follow this. So this is the over under for the game is 39 and a half. Jacksonville's at minus 9. I think you'd have to still go over that number. Um, but uh, I, it's a sweat, right? It's a sweat. It's like some of those, like, uh, you know, some of those teams, I bet you it's going to be 12 and a half, but the juice would be like minus 140. Yeah. I don't even know if I'd go over under 12 and a half total in that game, Jacksonville and <laughs> Buffalo. Um, I don't know. I'll start this off. I'm taking Jacksonville. I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm going Jacksonville too, but I don't know about having them as nine-point favorites. I mean, I'm not saying the Bills are some team to – Look out for, but I don't know. I'm just still not completely sold on the Jaguars. And I think Blake Bortles will screw it all up for him. <laughs> he think, just he always screws everything I, up. I think nine's a bit much, but if you actually just go down, so we have them at like a seventy percent chance of winning, mm-hmm. um, which translates to you know about that much in terms of the spread. But you're but the issue with the Bills is like you you start asking like who their weapons are. And you look across the field at, like, Jacksonville, where they have two cornerbacks that, like, have taken down some of the best receivers in the league this year. Right. It's going to be – it's difficult for me to see the Bills, you know, the Bills moving the ball all that well. On the other side of the spectrum, the Bills have the only defense in the NFL that has two guys with more than five interceptions. Blake Bortles, you know, ha- has that has that in them, right? And so – Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, when I look at, like, things like an over-under 39-and-a-half, like, that's where, like, I'm, I'm initially, like, well, I initial would be an under. I don't know if, like, my model would have the ball to pick the under in that, but um, but I look at, like, that game having, like, one or two defensive touchdowns, and then you're screwed at in terms of, you know, picking a total there. So, uh, I, yeah, I would say 8-9 about right, but if I had gun to the head, I, we haven't done our model yet this week, I would say Buffalo would probably cover that. Okay. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. our our model has that one closer to four um, as far as the spread. But what do you think about? I mean, Buffalo's run defense has been pretty poor, and you know what? That's exactly what Jacksonville wants to do. Um, do you think the the run game will help them out there? Yeah, I mean, one of the issues that I that we've tried not to get into. I don't know if you guys listen to the PFF podcast, but uh, uh, my my colleague guy George Shahari, we picked one game a week on the podcast and 
And we always like run ourselves into the trap of saying, oh yeah, but the Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott that we can track and say, well, it doesn't, the run game actually doesn't matter that much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of, I think that's fairly true. Like if you look at, you know, a lot of, and some of these people like bet on games on Twitter, basically, like they tell you what they're doing. But like at the games where Fournette's been injured, all these guys are like, oh, they got to have, you know, Cincinnati plus six ticket or whatever, and that doesn't matter because individual running backs don't really make a huge difference. Um, so, you know, I do think that Jacksonville's going to want to run the ball, um, but also, you know, they have a lot of the same problems offensively that the Bills have in that they don't have many horses on the outside. Marquise Lee's been injured for a lot of, you know, I, I think he'll probably go. Alan Hearns the same, but, like, you got to wonder, like, how good they'll be. Um, their tight end, Mercedes, this was was getting drafted when I was in college, so he's old, and, uh, you know, so he's not really a threat. And so you, you have to, you, you also have to ask the question, like, is Jacksonville going to be able to provide a threat in the passing game that's requisite of the Bills just not selling out and trying to stop them up? Right. Right, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see uh, the Bills really pushing hard in this game, personally. I don't know. I also just kind of really want to see Jacksonville keep playing because I love those helmets, and I, I just want to keep seeing those gold and black helmets every week. I want to be clear. I think Jacksonville's going to win that game just because the Bills are the Bills, but I don't think that they're, like, a real contender. Like, the, the Steelers or the Pats. Yeah, it's, really, it's really too bad we didn't get... The, the Chargers and or the Ravens in the playoffs over the, the two wild cards no. that we got in the AFC. At least they would have been competitive in these games. What's too, too bad, bad is that Eli Manning wasn't either cut and then signed by the Jaguars or traded to the Jaguars. That would have made that way more fun. Could have had the Eli Manning blackout year beat the Patriots again. That would have been fun. Uh, next game we got, we'll do uh, Kansas City versus Tennessee. Uh, Kansas City went through that little uh, lull in the middle of the year where they were kind of terrible, and now they they seem to be back on track. Tennessee, I couldn't care less about an NFL team than I care about the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> what are you talking about? Tighten up. I, that's that's just how I feel. Like I just don't care. They don't move the needle for me at all. So I'm going to take Kansas City. Yeah, they, they've been extremely underwhelming. Um, I like Kansas City too. Eric, you got the the Kansas City blood, or I guess inside scoop. What do you think about this one? So, a couple interesting things. So, Marcus Mariota is the highest-rated quarterback when using play action. He's, like, the second or third highest-rated quarterback when pressured. And what's funny is, like, those are some of, like, the least stable quarterback metrics. When he's clean, which is, like, the most stable quarterback metric, he's thrown 13 interceptions. So, he and Deshaun Kaiser, he and Deshaun Kaiser have the, are tied for the most interceptions without pressure this year. That means they're bad decision makers, right? Essentially. Yeah. So he's he's not he's not as they would say good. Um, <laughs> Kansas City Kansas City's weird because you know going into the season everybody was talking about how how tough their schedule was, but actually how it shook out. They had one of you know they along with Tennessee had two of the weaker schedules in the NFL this season. So um, you know it's it's really hard to like put a finger on like how good the Chiefs are because the competition. I mean, they did beat the Chargers, and you know, and, and early in the season they beat the, the Eagles and the, and the uh, Patriots. But you know, over the last month, it's been teams like the Dolphins and the and the um, Raiders and stuff that they've they've beaten. So you wonder, like, is that carry over bowl? But you know, Alex Smith is the highest rated quarterback in the league with a clean pocket. He has the most deep passing yards in the league by quite a bit, which is a really cool stat for him because it's just he's like his reputation is is that of captain checkdown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill leads all wide receivers in deep passing yards. Travis Kelsey leads all tight ends in, in yards after the catch and deep passing yards. So he's, you know, really, you know, they, they have a ton of weapons. And so for that, I think, you know, if you look at, you know, usually you can sort of default down to who has the best quarterback. And I think it's unequivocal there. The best quarterback at home is probably going to carry this one. Yeah. yeah, plus Tennessee is, or Kansas City is just money at home. They've been significantly better defensively this year and going back to previous years, too. So I, I agree so the, with you. So the Kansas City Chiefs have never covered a home playoff. Never That's covered. fantastic wow. news. Let me just write that they down. Haven't won, they haven't won a home playoff game since 1993. So take that for a trend. You got to, you know, take that. Trends, trends are meaningless, but I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's statistically not good from what I understand about stats and math. Uh, next game up, New Orleans 
and Carolina. You've got uh, NFC South uh, matchup here. Um, I don't know. I like New Orleans personally. Oh, Tom. Yeah, I Tom, just, your hand is raised. I feel very strong about this one because I, I think New Orleans is going to destroy them. I think Cam Newton is trash this year. He's absolute trash. I watched the the, the playoff game. Or sorry, the Week 17 game. He like misses so many throws. I don't know. I'd like to hear Eric talk about PFF's grade on Cam Newton this year. It's got to be bad. Like he he's made winning plays. Well, he's a really high variance player. Like he'll have games where he's on, and then he'll have like his last last week he was like 14 of 34 or something crazy like that. He, he was, was nine of 26 at some point in time. Yeah. Like that's so bad. Cam Newton did not complete a pass against the Falcons pressure. He was over seven. Um, <laughs> he he's a very like he's a very plus runner. So when they when they run design plays for him, that that's and we, you guys saw that as Vikings fans against against them. He's mm-hmm. very effective there. And I think somebody said high variance. I think that's the proper way to put him. Um, but among high variance players this season, he's performed among the league's worst. So. Um, I think that, coupled with the fact that he doesn't have a good care, uh, supporting gap, um, you know, with Greg Olson being kind of banged up and you know, them getting rid of Benjamin and uh, Christian McCaffrey kind of not getting over the hump, I think, yet by this year. Um, yeah, I think this was a pretty easy one, actually, and I think that's why the Rams wanted the four seeds for themselves and why the Saints sort of lucked into it by um, simultaneously losing that game and going over the total with PFF the under the other day. Yeah, that'll kill you right there. Um, I don't know. When it comes down to it, if you ask me between Drew Brees and Cam Newton, who do you want to win a playoff game, I'll take Drew Brees every time. Um, other NFC matchup is the Rams and Atlanta. I think this one's really interesting. I'm actually excited for this game. Yeah. Because um, you've got the, the new look, young L.A. Rams, and then the kind of underachieving but extremely talented and uh, last year's Super Bowl runner-ups, Falcons. Jokers. Yeah, Eric, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say on this game because I think these these two teams are kind of some of the most polarizing in terms of, you know, some, some stats say they're really good and some stats say they're really bad. I know Atlanta was kind of hovering around 500 for most of the year, but on a, like, yards-per-play metric, they've been, you know, at or near the top five for most of the year. And, you know, the Rams have obviously had a ton of games where they just blow people out of the water, so that's going to make their stats look better in some areas. So I was – personally, I was a little surprised to see the spread up to, you know, I think it's six and a half now and seven, somewhere around there. I, I, I thought that would be a little bit closer to Atlanta. Uh, what do you think about that, Eric? Yeah, I, I mean, I, we haven't run our model yet, but there's no way that they're going to have L.A. – LA minus seven anywhere there. So um, we've had the we've had the Falcons like if you just take their like raw PFF grades, they're the least best to turn an interception. Yeah. I think you couple you couple with like them sort of like being very conservative in terms of taking field goals instead of going for it. Like you look over the Vikings game, they um, kicked a field goal down five with like three minutes left or something like that. I mean, Dan Quinn has sort of, I think, tanked that team a little bit too in terms of decision-making. So um, I think if you're looking at that, like there's guys, there, there should be some regression to me, but football is a low sample. You can never whether this week is going to be the week that the Falcons play the way they should. Right. And how much of that do you blame on the, well, I don't know if blame is the right word, but account to the transition from Kyle Shanahan to Steve Sarkeesian? Um, I have I don't have the red zone numbers in front of me, but I do know. I think I think that's where that's where it's really rough is when um, you know in the red zone because moving the football is actually you know like like you guys said on a yards per play basis they're among the league's best. Um, but you know in terms of like actually converting those uh, you know those those guys into points, it's it's a little bit difficult. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I feel about the Falcons is like the opposite of how I feel about the Vikings, where they've been so good all year, and I've been so confident with them, but I'm just nervous they're going to just mess it all up on the one time it matters. I feel the opposite about the Falcons. They look like they've been kind of like not clicking all year, and I feel like they're probably just going to click when it matters. They're, they're the kind of team that, that deserves the record that they have, if not worse. They've had an average to below average offense most of the year. They've got an above average defense, but above average defense with below average offense – 
I don't think that's a good combo for the playoffs. I think you need to have the ability to just, they've had too many games where they scored 17 points. You know, you're not going to win a game. And, they, and I, I worry about that with the Vikings, too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the Falcons' defense is good enough to bail them out in those games in the playoffs, too. So I, I think they're going to lose that game. I, I would, I would say the Falcons, the, Falcons. the Falcons' offense is more of they're, – they're capable of playing well, right? It's not like they have a bad offense. It's just they need, like Eric was saying, they catch a couple more breaks and return to some of the efficiency marks that they had last year. It'll probably – turn around quickly. But I think that's the weird thing about football is, like, you either have it one year or you don't. Like, it's been clicking or it's not clicking. Like, you either drop a lot of passes or you don't. You either have drives that go a long distance, like the Vikings have had those 80-yard drives over and over and over again, or that just doesn't happen for you. And the Falcons seem to be the team that just can't make that happen. So. Well, they only need it for one game now, so. Oh, that's true. All right, so. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Eric. There are a little, there are some, like, I think, pushback, like the 2006 Colts couldn't stop, couldn't play defense, like, the whole year, and then they get Bob Sanders back, and then that year they kind of, like, leverage their defense to the Super Bowl, like, um, and I think there's, there's other, you know, scenarios where, like, something, like, the Green Bay Packers couldn't run the ball all year in 2010, and then James Starks comes out of nowhere and, like, turns the thing around. I... The, the raw materials are there for Atlanta. I would agree, though, that, like, when the when the difficulties come from the top, like, Dan Quinn is not just going to sort of, like, grow a pair, uh, you know, and, 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 and play, you know, balls to the wall against the Rams. He's going to kick, you know, he's going to kick field goals instead of go for a fourth and one and that kind of stuff. So I think there is a ceiling there. That being said, of the wild card teams, in our playoff projections on PFF, they, are, they have easily the best shot. Uh, of advancing the Super Bowl with 8%, um, twice as much as Carolina, and uh, yeah, far more than, um, yeah, and far more than any of the AFC. Is that just because they've been there before when they did it last year? Uh, well, it's just I think their power ranking is better because their quarterback does have really good grades, and we assume that, and we know that grades are more stable than outcomes, so um, it's just a projection based thing. Uh, it's same thing, you know. Same thing's kind of true for you know. Um, if you think about, uh, so we have the the, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles with six percent less of a chance of making the Super Bowl than Minnesota, and you know if you look at pure power numbers, the Eagles were better than the Vikings. But then if you actually, you know, so we do this thing where we adjust a quarterback's grade by his, his previous opponents, and then of course like we put the quarterback that's actually going to play in there. So you sub in Nick Foles. And you lose all your home field advantage to the Vikings, and you lose even a little bit more than that. So um, I think it's just because you know it's, it's quarterback play mostly. You know they have one that's uh, you know bona fide. Sure. Right. So you, you talked a little bit about the um, uh, your probabilities. Uh, Pro Football Focus did some has an article out right now that uh, people should go check out, where it's got every team's probability of advancing each round. Um, before we get into that, and Evan's going to talk about that a little bit uh, more in depth, but I just wanted to check with you. You have the Patriots, Steelers, Vikings, and Eagles as all 100% probability to make the divisional round. Do you want? Are you comfortable with that? Are you going to stick with that, or are you going to? Well, you if, gonna, one of, if one of those four teams wasn't Minnesota, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not even sure that they're playing next week. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I've seen crazier things. Um, so yeah. let's hop into just let's just go straight to the Super Bowl. Uh, you're giving obviously a lot of love uh, with the PF, PFF ELO ratings uh, for the AFC teams in the Patriots and the Steelers. Um, you're giving the Patriots a 63.3% chance of getting to the Super Bowl, and then the second best in the AFC would be the Steelers at 25.4%. And then if we actually jump to the Super Bowl, you're giving the Patriots a 46% chance of winning the whole thing. Almost a coin flip Patriots win the Super Bowl yeah, this year, which, which kill me now. Which, you know, I mean, we all know the Patriots, and we know what they're capable of, and I think we can probably all agree that they're probably going to be there uh, for the AFC. But well, how do you feel about that figure, and what's your confidence level in it? Uh, yeah, so this number was high, I thought, you know, in terms of, like, it came out, and I... You know, I think 538 has something at 38% in most other places. Uh, you know, all of our other projections, I think, were in line with some of our other, you know, colleagues in the industry, but this one was high. So I was trying to explain, you know, when you're writing it up, trying to, like, 
see why this handicap is the way it was. And I, for me, I just think that should you know should you get to the Super Bowl with one of the two better AFC teams, they're they're sixty five seventy percent favorites over the NFC team they face. So mm-hmm. if you take Pittsburgh against Minnesota, I'm taking that sixty five seventy percent. If you take New England against Minnesota. That's probably 70, 75% in my opinion, just because of quarterback differentials, but also just like the Patriots have, you know, the best tight end in football. They have the second best deep wide receiver in football. Deion Lewis is one of the highest graded running backs in the NFL since week five. Eric, um, would you would you, would you you continue that? Would you keep that prediction if Case Keenum balls out in both the divisional round and the NFC Championship? Like three touchdowns, higher than 70% completion percentage, you know, a big yards for, per attempt. Would you would you guys stick with that? Enormous shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I mean, we wouldn't. Say. We would do it update the data. I don't know. You know, it's, it's fairly sensitive to how well the quarterback plays, but, you know, you'd also roll it in with the prior that he's been, you know, an above-average quarterback all season. Um, but certainly, if Keenum balled out, then I think this, this would change for sure. Um, but I, I'm not exactly sure how much. We also, just to be clear, we don't have, should Minnesota make the Super Bowl, we were tinkering with the idea of giving them home field advantage, but we, we sort of throttled back on that just because, Minnesota would actually be the road team. They'd be dressing in the road locker room. Um, I only think probably about 25% of the fans would be Vikings fans. So right. this is assuming that that's sort of a neutral site for the Super Bowl. We did run them, and it's a little higher. So you're talking about more like 80% of the Vikings are, you know, because you know, home field is worth, you know, two and a half, three points. So um, it is a bit higher if you assume that they have the, the home field advantage for the Super Bowl. But ultimately, you know, Steelers, you know, the Steelers or the um, Patriots are going to be favored. If you add those two probabilities together, it's 63%. You know, you, you fold in some of the other AFC, but, you know, 63% for those two, one of those teams to win the Super Bowl, I think is fairly reasonable. And so for me, the question is why is Pittsburgh, or why is New England so high? It's mostly because we have them that much better than Pittsburgh. Right, right. Just for reference, uh, Pro Football Focus has, we've, as we've said, Patriots at 46%. Our own nerds here at Model 284 have the Patriots at 27.8%. Uh, That's a big gap. Which is a, yeah, it's a large gap. They've also, the, I think, and it was being explained to me by um, CEO Sam, that uh, part of the reason is that the R model doesn't factor in the Nick Foles situation as well. So the Eagles are actually the second highest rated right now at 17.9%, whereas you guys at Pro Football Focus have them at 8%. Yeah, so ours are still using the Eagles' essentially last seven games to predict into the, their future games, and um, we're not doing things on a player level like Pro Football Focus is, so we can't can't as easily adjust for the Wentz injury. So, you know, as the Eagles play more games, which isn't going to happen this week, obviously, but eventually we'll catch up with the fact that they don't have Carson Wentz anymore, but that's definitely slightly overstated as it is now. Uh, I think the other the other thing that's playing into our numbers is we don't make New England quite as big of a favorite over Pittsburgh, and I don't know. I'm always of the mindset that not not betting against New England in any fashion, so I'm, I'm comfortable with the 46%. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because you have so we we only have it at a player level for the passing game, and so where we see a lot of the issues is, is the fact that the Steelers on the back end have really struggled recently. So they gave up like three touchdowns to Brett Hundley. They gave up that huge game to Joe Flacco. They gave up. Um, I'm trying to think of the other. Even the Cincinnati gave them a game. Ryan Shazier goes out. We don't have, you know, once the player's out, we leave them out of the model and replace them with what we consider a placement-level player. So all those inside linebackers that have played for Pittsburgh have really struggled um, since. And then there's a whole week of data um, for players that aren't really going to play this week So or, uh, you know, subsequent weeks. So um, that's kind of work. Like, we, we really think that the Patriots have a huge advantage when it, co- when it comes down to the, the Brandon Cooks and the Rob Gronkowski's against the Sean Davis's and the Artie Burns. Yeah, did, I just, did you have Todd Haley's broken hip factored in at all? <laughs> I have Todd Haley's uh, playoff, playoff experience as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in there. That's it, factored it, in? 
30 to the donut loss to uh, Joe Flacco. That, that probably makes more sense. All right, we're going to let you go here. Um, but before we do, I just want to get your, your personal picks for both uh, playing in the Super Bowl and who ends up winning it as a, as a Vikings fan. Like, are, you guys have the Vikings as the most probable to come out of the NFC, but are you, are you comfortable with that? I'm, I mean, gun to my head, I'm taking Vikes. Yeah, I think the, I think the, the numbers would say New England versus Minnesota. Um, if I was a, if I was trying to, you know, take hot here, I'd probably, you know, the only, the team I think is a dark horse in the NFC, but is a legitimate contender is the Saints. Yeah. Um, and I think in the, in the AFC, I think Kansas City has the best chance of the other four teams to making a run because their offense is, um, their offense is very explosive and if you know the the issue is is like without Eric Berry they're not going to be able to shut the Patriots down in any capacity like they did week one so that's why you know none of these these other AFC teams make the make the graphic and you know obviously the Patriots are sort of you know, big favorites but um, I would say you know if you if you wanted a, a hot take Super Bowl I think you'd say New Orleans Kansas City wow okay. I like that. Okay, but otherwise you're going, with your gut, you're going Vikes-Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, okay. and, if you're, and if you're looking for ways in which the Vikings can win that game, I think you have to look at, um, you know, the Vikings making plays downfield against New England secondary, which if you go back to early in the season, they were being dragged up and down the field by yeah, yeah. Uh, Houston and by Carolina. And then hit and Tom Brady. Yep, and, and Tom Brady is the highest-rated rated quarterback this season under pressure. His passer rating is 12 points higher than anybody else. But that's an unstable statistic. So, you know, if that regresses at all, you might see, you know, New England a bit more vulnerable uh, than, than we first considered. Well, I've only seen him lose two Super Bowls, and in both those Super Bowls, he was getting ravaged by the defensive line. True. All right, well, I think that's, uh, that's going to do it for us, Eric. Uh, thanks so much for coming on again. We really appreciate it. And uh, everyone should go check out uh, Pro Football Focus and all the work you were doing over there. And maybe enroll in a class at lacrosse. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks a lot, Eric. All right, thanks, Eric. Take care. We'd like to thank Eric for coming on again. Always fun to talk with him. Guy knows what he's what he's he talking about. He starts yeah, he starts talking about things, and I just like I I can't even physically focus for as long as he's talking about football. Like I don't know anything as well as he. He's knows a football. perfect combination of mathematician and football guy built mm-hmm. into one person who can speak like that. Completely unrelated, but I like it's like when my dad talks about barley. I'm like I don't know anything like as well as my dad knows freaking barley. Like it's crazy. Um, all right, before we get into unwritten rules and five minutes of research, we're just going to run through the list of coaches uh, fired this year. Uh, Jim Caldwell fired from the Lions. Feel bad, he's a good dude. Yeah, uh, but he was already dead. Yeah. Um, John Fox fired from the Bears, which should be dead. Uh, yeah, probably will be soon. Bruce Arians retired. Uh, Jack Del Rio fired from the Raiders, and John Gruden sounds like he's coming in. How much money is he getting? And he might get some sort of stake in, which I don't think is legal. Is that like not legal or something? I don't know. Um, And then Chuck Pagano fired from the Colts, who again everyone says is a great guy, but like the Colts have sucked. And honestly, it kind of sucks for Chuck Pagano because if uh, Andrew Luck's on the team this year and healthy, he probably keeps his job for at least another year. Yeah, but is that a good thing for the Colts? Probably not. No, probably not. And obviously, Ben McAdoo fired earlier in the year. Easily, like the, the the biggest storyline is that if John Gruden signs with um, the Raiders yeah. and he's back with the team that traded him, however many years ago that was. Uh, and now we're gonna slip into some unwritten rules. It is the new year, first week of the new year, so let's do New Year's resolutions. I really only have one um, rule for New Year's resolutions, and that is mostly that I, I just don't tell me about your New Year's resolutions. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, you mean like someone coming up to you. At like yeah, a, I mean if like we're talking and it's it, it's normal in conversation, like ah oh, yeah, I just want to work out a little bit more this year or something. Hey Fred, do you want to hear my New Year's resolutions? Yeah, more like do you have any New Year's resolutions? Like I don't want to tell you. Most of my New Year's resolutions are like if they if I have any are like kind of personal things about bettering myself, like things I'm going to try not to do as much or do a little bit more. And like I don't really want to get into that right now. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really want to talk to you about how I'm probably going to, you know. Yeah, keep yeah, like, yeah, the things I'm doing behind the scenes to better myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah these, those are, these are personal you. things, I think. Yeah, um, I think biggest thing, obviously a lot of resolutions are tied to the gym. Uh-huh. Just put it off another week, you know? Exactly. Enjoy it one more week. And Lifetime is a zoo. It's been a zoo all week. It's mm-hmm. been terrible. So just put it off one week. I actually judge people super hard, the, the, the crowd that starts and stops. Yeah, just don't start at all. Yeah. Don't start at all. At the don't same, do it. at the oh, same you're time, quit. Well, you know you're gonna quit. Well, if there's okay, oh, so just you, don't start. Don't show up. Don't don't clog the gym for a month and make me angry when you're gonna quit. Now, if you stay, yeah, but good for not, you. Is and it not, I, I applaud you. Yeah, is it not worth it for the one or two people that might stay? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If there's a hundred people that come, for the greater and good, I'll say yes, Doug. But for the other, for the for the weaklings who quit. Yeah, you can punch judging Because I will say this is the first year in my life where, like, I had to, like, think about it and be like, do I need to, like, make a New Year's resolution to go to the gym? Like, this are, you, are you not <laughs> exercising, Fred? No, I'm not exercising, since, Tom. Since sports. Yeah, you need sports. I need sports. I can't exercise without a ball. Like, I'm like a dog. Play basketball at Lifetime. Come join me. Pick up we'll, get one of those, we'll get one of those, like, throwy things that you put the tennis yeah. ball in. Yeah, it's just I would work out half as much if there wasn't pick-up basketball at Lifetime Fitness. Yeah, like, you just happen to be there to play basketball. No, I, might as well just work I sit in the car and I think how much more I would like to go on my couch and play video games or watch TV. Mm-hmm. And then I think, hey, basketball's pretty fun. And I get a good workout in so I won't be fat and I have some fun. And then I'm like, that'll go. And then yeah, you go to that sounds good. Uh, Payway or Chipotle. What's wrong with Payway? What That's is Payway? Yeah. Payway? I don't it's even like, know what Payway is. It's like Express P.F. Chang's. Yeah, that's like, like, a perfect way to describe it. Drive through. That's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've been watching you. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got five minutes of research. I'm pretty excited for this one. Not like what could happen, but I'm excited for uh, the research. Tom's going to give us a rundown on North Korean U.S. relations after the tweet uh, Trump sent out about his big button, which, I mean, we all, he's talking about his dick. So, Donnie Donnie and Kim Jong-un, okay, first of all, if you have to get into a, you know, a D-shaking contest with the worst dictator in the world, you're an idiot. Yeah. But, obviously, Donnie can't help himself, we all know that. Um, and It's honestly incredible. Yeah, it is. Um, but, <laughs> five minutes of research, North Korea accidentally hit one of its own cities with a missile, report says. What? That, that was five hours ago. Um, so so as long as they keep doing things like that and like just colossally messing this up, I'm okay. But if I mean, like well, a month ago, there's so Does he want to die? Does he want to die? If he wants to nuke us, well, odds are doesn't he make it here. If we find out, Donnie will literally scrape him and his whole country off the face of the earth. Yeah, but that could be after we get like like Los Angeles We're destroyed. Be fine. They're well, not gonna, well, yeah, they're not Minneapolis. They could do Chicago. We could get some of that. Yeah, right. sleep, true. Hey, sleeper pig. Minneapolis is a pretty nice city. It's not that big, but... Yeah, they'd have to get an ICBM over the entire U.S. <laughs> hey. Right in the dead center. You don't know what they can get. Listen, you guys asked me for this. Five yeah, minutes give, of give, give me the Give me where we're at. We're not going to die. Tell us the chances that... We're, we're not going to... Probably like a 10% chance. Whoa. That's way high. too high. That is way too high, Tom. That's one in 10. One in 10 that we're getting nuked? <laughs> well, Kim Jong-un's crazy enough to, put, to jack it up to 10%. That's insanity. Should we, start, more, should we more start building bunkers? No, okay, I'm kidding. Come on. 99% chance that we don't get nuked. Wait, so you just went from 10 to 1%? Yeah, I guess it's just not going to happen. Guys, look, if you want, think about this logically. It's not going to happen. Does he want to die and all of his people to die? Nothing that he does is logical, though. That's that's why I said 10% originally. Yeah. He's just a wild card. He's a wild card. We're not going to die. Donnie's not going to do anything. Dude, Donnie is the ultimate troll, okay? Everything he's doing is trolling. He loves it. He feeds off it. He has a button on his freaking desk for a Diet Coke. He just presses it. Ding, 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 ding. I want Diet yeah, Coke. 12, I'm gonna 12 tweet. I'm going to tweet. I'm going to tweet. Yeah. He, he, he tweeted like five things in relation to Fox News within like a 24-hour period, which is absolutely mind-boggling for a president to be doing. I wish I could dislike him more, but some of the policy that he's trying to get through is, is actually decent, which is the, the tough part. See that's these I'm are not saying it's good, everyone. Decent. These are the things I don't know about, and I, I don't I don't like to talk about. But we're not going to die. We're not going You're to not die. Gonna die. Doug's no, not going to die. Doug's not going to die. Doug might die. Doug might become a recluse. You know, and eat chocolate if, all day. if there was a person alive to, <laughs> to like <laughs> to like get caught up in a nuke, like by like if someone like if I was like if I go to Los Angeles, the, it's getting nuked. <laughs> like that's what's going to happen. It's going to be me. That could be. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I... Well, 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 well
Well, well speaking of which, you know the we were talking about the um, the Neosporin thing where I couldn't I didn't have yeah, the Neosporin the in the box. Neosporin. Well, it turns out that blister got infected. I had to go to the doctor. They give me antibiotics. And she says, okay, I've never been allergic to anything in my life. And she's like, okay, if you start to get a rash, let me know. I get a rash. Yeah, I see you're itching your heel right now. Well, it's, it's not even on my heel. It's like on my inner thigh. It's yeah, freaking it's, miserable. It's clearly spread to your heel. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> heel is spread. That is, that's just Fred Luck. This just needs to be of Hammer the Over in 2018. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, check out all of Model 284's NFL uh, playoff prediction articles. And uh, they're going to have some new... Monday creative type uh, modeling articles and maybe some Friday freelance writing type articles coming out here soon. So check out Model 284 and uh, we will be with you next week. Five inches of beauty. Grab me a